Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Shalom Leyudim, Shalom Lebenei Noach, Shalom Leguyim. It's the evening of the fourth day, Tesfav B'chodesh Adar Aleph, Parashas Kisisa, Tashin Pei Beis 5782, the evening of the third day, Tuesday, 15 February 2022. You're listening to Phantom Nation, podcasting on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, coming to you from the same Judea that is home to Jerusalem, that the whole world insists must not belong to the Jews. In this edition, we will ruminate on the uh, bizarre rock-bottom insistence by Muslims that Jerusalem is theirs, when in practice, Jerusalem means nothing to them, apart from proof that the Jews lost their special covenant with Allah, who gave it to believers in the one true faith, who not coincidentally are the seed of Ishmael, Avraham's firstborn son, who did not inherit as a firstborn should. Jewish law posits the rule that if a father has two sons, the first son receives two-thirds of his estate, the second uh, son receives only one-third. Indeed, the Torah repeats this pattern of the firstborn son who does not inherit, as he might, because uh, more important than biological birth order, which Judaism otherwise respects, is the character of the second son that surpasses that of the older son. Consider Cain and Abel. The second son uh, outshines his older brother, not necessarily intentionally, but he does, and wins God's greater favor, which sparks envy in his brother, who murders him. Then there's Esau and Yaakov, fraternal twins. Likewise, hostility between them. But again, a younger brother winds up more deserving. Ishmael, too, is the firstborn who loses out to his younger half-brother and is even expelled by his father. Consider the words of Moshe to Pharaoh in their first encounter. Exodus chapter 4, verse 22 and he is told beforehand by Hashem to tell Pharaoh, quote, So said Hashem, my firstborn is Israel. So I say to you, send out my son, that he may serve me. But you refuse to send him out. Behold, I shall kill your first son. And indeed, what is the last and most painful of the ten plagues? The killing of all the firstborn in Egypt, even among animals which is the only plague cynics and scoffers have no explanation for. All the others they see as distortions of nature, which can be explained away as freaks of nature. They're really creations, frogs, lice, uh, locusts. They're, these are natural things that appear only produced in astonishing numbers, except for the last plague, which has no explanation. What kind of a disease, if you will, knows to attack only the firstborn? of all creatures. And we'll get started after the following message or messages from IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Hello, I am Walter Bingham. If you want to hear the news behind the news and the true perspective on world affairs, then The Walter Bingham File is the program for you. We bring you interviews with the movers and shakers, political commentaries, and on-the-spot reports of events as they happen. All here every Tuesday, 4 p.m. Israel Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. And it's all archived on our website. Make it a date.
Shalom Yudim, Shalom Lebenei Noach, Shalom Legoyim. It's the evening of the fourth day, Tesfav B'chodesh Adar Aleph Parashas Kisis, Satav Shin Pei Beis 5782, the evening of the third day, Tuesday, 15 February 2022. You're listening to Phantom Nation, podcasting on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, coming to you from the same Judea that is home to Jerusalem, that the whole world insists must not belong to the Jews. That was the significance of UN Resolution, Security Council Resolution 2334 of December 2016. That was Obama's last aggression against the Jews when still president, when he instructed the U.S. ambassadress, a proven anti-Jewess, to abstain. When all the other Security Council members voted to declare that all the land the Jews took from the Jordanians in 1967 belongs to the Palestinians, including, of course, Jerusalem. Obama, the veiled covert jihadi, as a good Muslim, uh, could not do otherwise. The essence of Islam is its theft of the religion and really the soul of the Jewish people, which uh, fits scripture. Ishmael was sent away and became a highwayman in the desert, preying on the defenseless, people in transit. And uh, among the tribes, he spawned, uh, there were endless raids and counter-trades to this very day, a society in which there is no shame in stealing what belongs to others. Jerusalem, according to the majority nations in the world, belongs to the ancient Palestinians, and never mind, there's no record of any Palestinians living in Jerusalem, ever. In 1911, the Encyclopedia Britannica published the 1905 census under Muslim rule that counted three communities. A total of only 60,000 people uh, lived in Jerusalem at the time, when New York, Paris, London were home to two and three million each, uh, the smallest community in the 60,000 was the Muslim community, only 7,000 of them, mostly colonial administrators in a garrison, officers with their wives and children. Uh, there were uh, 13,000 Christians, mostly outposts of churches established elsewhere in Europe, Armenia, Roman Catholic, Roman Catholic churches, uh, American Protestants, with the Jewish community in the city numbering 40,000. There was a Christian quarter, an Armenian quarter, and a Jewish quarter, but no Muslim quarter uh, that would come under the British mandate decades in the future. Uh, This under Muslim rule. There was no Muslim quarter because there were so few Muslims interested in the city. Uh, Jerusalem has no meaning in Islam except as uh, the spoils of war that prove the Jews lost their status as the chosen people because of their sins and the overrunning of Jerusalem by Muslims was proof of Allah's transfer of the special covenant the Jews lost to believers in the one true faith. Muslims believe theirs is the correct religion, the correct understanding of the religion of Ibrahim, a name they can't even pronounce properly, let alone understand. The only significance of Jerusalem to Islam is that one night, Muhammad flew in on a flying horse from Mecca, landed on the Jews' Temple Mount, jumped up into the sky, up through the seven heavens he had heard of from the Jews about what's in the Talmud. On the way, he saw all the prophets in the Jews' Bible and understood he was the next, the final, the greatest prophet of them all. That's it. There's no other content to Jerusalem for these people. Muhammad pronounced no great sermon there. He declaimed no principles of the Islamic faith. Jerusalem has no meaning in Islam other than this uh, fairy tale of a miracle story. And that is why the Muslims 
maintained Jerusalem as a stinking, dirty, medieval relic of a town that they never cherished, never cared for it, never developed it. When New York, Paris, London, with their millions, were bustling uh, city dwellers uh, went about their business, at the turn of the 20th century, Jerusalem was home was home only to those 60,000. Two-thirds of them Jews, and not one Palestinian counted in the census. And this was a dozen years before the Balfour Declaration, uh, when the city was 100% in Ottoman Turkish Muslim hands. Visitors who made the pilgrimage to the Holy City in Turkish times, uh, like Henrietta Zold, uh, they all wrote, like she did, of the stench, because municipal services were miserable barely existent, and yours truly was an eyewitness to Jerusalem under the Muslims after the Six-Day War, walking around the former Jordanian sector, uh, not yet renamed Arab East Jerusalem, uh, Palestinian Jerusalem, and I saw what a dump it was in 1967 after uh, the better part of 14 centuries in Muslim hands. It's simply not true, despite the propaganda that Muslims venerate Jerusalem as a holy city, when their behavior toward the city has not been that of civilized people who take care of a holy city. The Muslims just say it is holy to them because uh, their religion is rooted in the dispossession of the Jews, of the Jews' material and spiritual religious wealth, a truth concretized by their presence, their Muslims' presence on the Jews' holiest site. Islam is the antithesis of Jewishness, Jews do not seek converts. Islam, by contrast, believes Muslims have the right, even the obligation, to oppress those who do not believe as they do. I have heard, I'm no authority, that a Muslim has the right to challenge an idolater that he may meet in, say, Central Africa and tell him to convert, and if he refuses, you can kill him. There are exceptions, Jews and Christians, the Dimi, and maybe the Sabaeans at that one point when they were still around, uh, in that system, you could literally purchase, Jew or Christian, uh, the right to continue your religion, had to pay a yearly communal heavy tax for the right not to convert. Uh, and in the ceremony in public, when the Jewish community presented its barrels of coin, the uh, rabbi would also ritualistically be slapped in the face by the pasha for the continuing Jewish stubborn refusal to convert to the one true faith when they know it's the one true faith, the correct understanding of the religion of Ibrahim. So, um, in Jerusalem, in Sabbath Eve, a Jewish family living in Jerusalem, a stone's throw from the Jews' occupied holiest site, and their home torched by Muslims because Muslims insist Jerusalem is theirs. Fortunately, the family was out, but unfortunately, great damage was done to their home. This family as well has had nine, count them, nine cars set afire by their Muslim neighbors who uh, are on fire, not with Palestinian patriotism, but Islam, which is, I believe, the greatest threat to mankind, to freedom and civilization uh, in our time. If the liberal democracies were not so spiritually decrepit, with pathological narcissism, they would all legislate the closing of all mosques in their territories, for Muslims encourage polygamy. And if the U.S. did that, it would not be the first time the U.S. had to confront polygamy. In the 1830s, upstate New York, one Joseph Smith pronounced himself a kind of uh, new Moses, I guess, uh, with a divine scripture, 
right up there with the Jews' Old Testament and the Christians' New Testament. And like the Hebrews in the Old Testament, who had many wives, so were these self-styled saints, these self-styled Latter-day Saints, as they call themselves, the Mormons. And because they were polygamists, they were violently hounded out of town after town in the East by outraged residents who objected to their behavior, and rightly so. Islam is a religion of polygamy, and it's a form of slavery for women. Eventually, the Muslims fled way west to a great salt lake, an area not even yet a legalized territory of the United States. And after the Utah Territory came into being, and the Mormon community reached the minimum of 30,000 inhabitants, uh, they petitioned Congress for statehood and were rejected because they were polygamists. They petitioned again and again over the decades of the 19th century and were turned down every time until they finally uh, cried uncle, surrendered, and officially outlawed polygamy. And that's when the state of Utah entered the Union, finally, in 1890. There are some 3,000 mosques in the U.S., and every one of them should be served, I think, with a court order, shutting them down, locking the doors like a brothel or crack house, for encouraging the illegal... I presume, a practice in every state of polygamy. And here in Jerusalem, the Muslims must be told that violent behavior against Jews will result in expulsion from the country. There must be zero tolerance in our holy city for violence against us. The state came to life, first of all, in reaction to the monstrous massacres Christians in Europe never ceased mauling us with. We all know of the six million in the 1930s and 40s who went up in smoke, but few of us remember the 100,000 murdered in the early 1920s in the internecine civil war that came out of the Russian Revolution. And, and who remembers the pogroms in the first decade of the 20th century in Russia, um, Shalom Aleichem's Russia, whence my own paternal family uh, ran from in those pogroms, and who remembers the pogroms two decades earlier in the 1880s after the assassination of the Tsar. This is what brought on the Zionist movement, insane violence against us. And so we have the right to demand and assert that in our holy city, our capital city, we will not tolerate violence against a Jew. A goy who attacks a Jew like this must be immediately taken to the Gaza Strip and pushed through the gate with the clothes on his back and told he will never set foot again in Israel. And this would be a far better deterrent than arrest and trial and jail time. What for? Hi, 
Hi, everyone. This is Andrea Simento from Jerusalem inviting you to drop everything and join me on my show. Pull up a chair. We'll visit this week's quirky stories, meet fabulous guests, and discover my Israel. Together, we'll laugh, shout, and explain the topics that make us say, hey, we've got to talk about that. So get comfortable and pull up a chair with me, Andrea Simento, every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. So there was violence after Shabbos, and there was yesterday, I believe. Uh, member of Knesset Itamar Ben-Gavir was roughed up. Uh, he's making a stand uh, by staying on site. Uh, he stand for his demand that the authorities defend the Jews living in Shimon Atzadik, at whatever cost. The city yesterday agreed finally to install security cameras. It's simply intolerable in light of the Zionist movement that we tolerate violent goyim in our midst. And we have the right to expel those among these wild asses of arsonists and rock throwers from our country. Under what ethical system are we required to put up with their anti-Semitic aggression, which is what it is? These Muslims are as hostile to Jews as German Nazis used to be. And I say on the basis of their media that I follow, uh, which anyone can follow uh, in English translation online, why see their priests uh, who are as flaky about Jews as any medieval Polish Catholic priest. So on Monday last week, the Knesset passed the first reading of the new so-called citizenship law that blocks marriage between enemy Arabs in Gaza, Judea, and Samaria and Arabs with Israeli citizenship. The law, if it passes, will revalidate a law from, nine, from 2003, passed in the midst of the satanic Second Intifada to stem the penetration of the country via marriage by these alien Arab Muslim enemies. In the Knesset on the day of the vote last week, mostly Arabs, but far-left Jews, too, smeared the text as, guess what, racist. Forbidding marriage like this between Jews and uh, Arabs, leftists see as a Jewish distaste for their physical appearance of these ancient Palestinians. And that is, after all, the prima facie condition for racism, isn't it? What's observable? A white man is never called a nasty epithet that is used for black people because you can see he's not black. Versus the impossibility of cursing the Jew on the basis of race because there is no Jewish race. For leftists in general these days, though, anyone who disagrees with them over any issue is sneered at as a racist. In the United States, its president, the uh, stupid, senile, corrupt head of the Biden crime family, when he took office, he declared that white supremacy was the biggest problem facing America. And on that first day in office, uh, this was powerful evidence, I believe, that the man was not in touch with reality. In retrospect, he seems to have been coached by anti-American leftists who say this, all enemies of the left are seen by the left as racists, and in a funny way, the country truly is under attack by racists, meaning the woke, who accuse everybody else of racism because they themselves are obsessed with race. So the U.S. does have a serious race problem in these people who accuse everybody else of racism. And so the vote on the first reading of the citizenship law in the Knesset, afterwards, Meretz Party M.K. Mosey Ross called the bill meant to block surreptitious enemy infiltration via marriage, he said it is a racist text. In his mind, there's no conflict here between Muslim Arabs and Jews. The problem for him is between the two nations of Palestine and Israel. Uh, 
And the Israelis, who want their own separate and independent state, as distinctly Jewish as any of the 21 officially Arab states are distinctively Arab. And that endeavor, in the minds of anti-Jews today, this desire is evidence of uh, exactly the accusation hurled at the Jewish state in 1975's UN General Assembly Resolution 3379, defining Zionism as a form of racism. Jews wanting a state of their own is proof of the Jews' racism. They don't want to live with the Palestinian race. Again, apart from the uh, common and vulgar slander that Jews are preternaturally in love with money and will Jew you in business and they all have big noses, what really distresses Gentiles is the fidelity of this people to its national identity, which can only be expressed via its religion. And it is the absence of religion, ironically, that accounts for too many of Israel's troubles. Our secular leaders do not see the historical irony of preventing us from living in Judea and Samaria, from ever claiming ownership, uh, because making that claim would be too Jewish. Quite literally, Yossi Balin and cohorts cringed at those who referred to the Shtachim, the territories, as Judea and Samaria, just too Jewish. In 1967, the iconic Sabra hero Moshe Dayan, the socialist, anti-capitalist farmer soldier, decided to bestow continuing ownership of the Temple Mount on the Israelites, saying the Temple Mount has no religious significance for Israelis, only historic significance. And notice his arrogant exclusion of religious Jews from being Israeli. And so today the Israeli government employs the uh, uneducated uh, foreign minister, Yair Lapid, and ignoramus about Jewishness and the world, and uh, Defense Minister Benny Gantz, the ex-religious Moshavnik who continues in the spirit of his forebears in the IDF and politics, Moshe Dayan, Ehud Barak, uh, spiritless men, really, when it comes to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Uh, the Zionist movement, for them, was not about creating a state of Jewish people, that is, religious people, but a state for people of Jewish extraction, who are no longer religious, who don't care that their ancient homeland is occupied by Ishmaelites who steal and vandalize ancient Jewish sites, and of course prevent by their homicidal urges other Jews from visiting these sites. If not for the threat of being murdered, more Jews might want to visit Hebron and the cave of the Machpelah there, the family plot of the Jewish people. More might want to visit the tomb of Joseph in Shechem. The Shechem, the first settlement of Amavinu came to from Ur-Kazdim so many thousands of years ago. In the 7th century, the Ishmaelites overran our country, and to this day they occupy Shechem and call it Nablus, which is the Arab mispronunciation of the Greek name given to the new city the Romans built there next to Shechem. New city in Greek is Neapolis in English, Naples. The ancient Palestinians claim their ancient residence here, but if so, why do they call this slum of a town by a Greek name, with most of them not knowing this, that it's Greek? These violent Hamitic haters of us Semitic Jews. Last week, some of the bravest men in the world Israeli special forces penetrated to the very heart of Shechem to attack a car carrying four Arabs who recently had been firing at Jews in the area, particular soldiers and police. And, and those uh, special forces did what had to be done, which was to execute them, even though Israeli law rejects capital punishment. I think one of the four got away, but the others did not leave the car alive after the vehicle had been sprayed with 80 rounds. 
The four were armed with M-16s, I think, and were identified as members of the Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigades, uh, which was created by Arafat during the Second Intifada would attract boys wanting to explode themselves in the middle of a crowd of Jews. The Second Intifada was ignited not by Fatah, but the Muslim Brotherhood types, who rejected Fatah as too compromised by negotiating with al-Yahud instead of killing al-Yahud. In general, the nationalist vocabulary of the PLO groups by that time had lost favor to the rising tide of so-called Islamist-inspired movements by Khomeini in Iran. The Oslo abomination was the handiwork of stupid, foolish, and uneducated Jewish dopes with no understanding of the Arabs, of Islam. It was this uh, rising tide of uh, Hamas types, the Muslim Brotherhood types, to rival Arafat's Fatah in that period. And the boys in the Arab street were being attracted to Hamas for their suicide techniques. So Arafat, the allegedly secular nationalist, created a competing organization with the very Islamic title of Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigades. Nothing secular about that. Someday, may it be soon, post-Zionist Israel understands that only by strengthening its authentic religious identity can it confront and defeat the Muslims accepting, uh, first of all, that the Palestinian identity is a fraud and the real enemy is Islam.
Shalom, I'm Leah Aharoni. Join me on my show, News from the Torah. Each Sunday, we'll use the weekly Torah portion as a prism for understanding the news today. Listen to News from the Torah to gain clarity about the times we're living in and to understand your own spiritual path in the process. News from the Torah every Sunday on Israel News Talk Radio. Speaking before, as usual, of Israel's feeble Jewish identity, its religious identity, here is more evidence, uh, a revealing peek into the heart of the problem. About a month ago, the Knesset decided the following. Although the Ministry of Religions has a list of 142 religious sites in the country, of all religions, not just Jewish, one site is missing, if you can believe it, the Temple Mount. The debate uh, was uh, to add it to the list or continue, continue to leave it out, and that was the decision. Leave it out. And what, you may ask, is the reason for this bizarre bureaucratic decision? And the answer is that uh, an Israeli law requires the state to guard and protect freedom of religion for all, all the faiths. And if the Temple Mount is on that list, the state would be required to enforce the right of Jews to visit and pray at their holiest site. The government does not want that responsibility. And you know what? I don't blame them. I even respect their de facto recognition that uh, they would deny uh, that the heart of the hatred and homicidal aggression is Islam, the religion, with Palestinian nationalism only a smokescreen. Israel rightly fears that claiming our right to our holiest site on the planet and using force to realize that right has the potential of igniting the 56 Muslim states against us as never before. Thanks to God, our immediate enemies, the Arabs, are chronically incapable over 73 years of uniting against us. They're always too busy fighting one another in order to unite all their forces into one unified and coordinated command, which would be terrible for us. With Islam, though, having the potential to override that chronic defect in their character. The danger is that Israel forcibly permitting Jews to ascend and pray on the Temple Mount uh, without in the least disturbing what the Muslims do there, this still could ignite rabble-rousers in all those 56 states and drive the regime to take action, which unified aggression we can do without. Big time, thank you very much. So Israel has the right to be prudent, and I would not advocate doing anything that incites the Arabs, which is not the same as doing nothing. What Israel can do, and what it never does, is go to war against the words of the enemy. For example, uh, the PLO's uh, Central Committee the other day voted to suspend the recognition of Israel that it signed off in, in 1993 until Israel recognizes the state of Palestine, whose boundaries will be the ceasefire lines in effect until 1967, June 6, with this estate, new state's capital being East Jerusalem. What Israel can do in the face of this is publicly respond by saying there has never been a Palestinian nation governing, governing this country, and there never will be. The League of Nations recognized Palestine as the historical homeland of the Jewish people. Not a word about any Palestinians in this country, and the land west of the Jordan River to the sea would rightfully belong to the new Jewish state of Palestine. In the decision the other day, the PLO also demanded, quote, international protection for the Palestinian people from Israel until it can exercise full sovereignty over its land. 
close quote. And what Israel must do in response to that demand is publicly declare there is no Palestinian people and for sure none with the right to call the Jewish people their land. This is the Jewish people's promised land. But then again, referring to Israel's historic and religious rights would be too Jewish for the woke here because just that. That recoiling from religion also plays a part in the decision of the Knesset the other day to turn their backs on the Temple Mount as Moshe Dayan did in 1967. Look what, what happened the other day in the UK. The uh, quasi-diplomatic Bruhahan Shabbos where firebrand M.K. Bitsalo Smotruck showed up in London to seek support from British Jews against the conversion reforms of Minister Matan Kahana, only to be rudely tongue-lashed when there by the head of the Board of Deputies, the top Jewish communal organization there, and he was who said, quote, Get back on the plane, Bitsalil, and live in infamy. You are not welcome here. And in the brief seconds of a video uh, that I saw online of this man, he that singled out Smotrich, uh, the first or second sin that he uh, itemized, which was Smotrich opposing any legislation for the LGBTQXR, PBS, whatever people, which I took to be a significant symptom of the disappearance in the diaspora of non-observant Jews. Clearly, when the community's top mouthpiece opposes opposition to male-to-male sodomy and sexual perversion, he represents a dying Jewish community. The good news is that the Israelis across the board, from the, even from the center and the left, objected to the rude treatments Smotrich received, which only partially compensates for the sad demise of these diaspora communities that adopt the ethics of the surrounding Gentile people, which these days in the West is a people degenerating, literally not reproducing. All of Western Europe and the United States, according to the demographics, are not producing the next generations, and surely one major cause of that is the conceptive, contraceptive technology of the last century, which cannot be separated from what followed a tidal wave of fornication by the unmarried, uh, the blessing of abortion as a right uh, and not an abomination when used as a method of birth control. The pill led to a tidal wave of adultery and later divorce, broken families in the millions. This led to the rebranding of sodomy as no pathology, which led to homosexual orgies and the AIDS epidemic. The British Board of Jewish Deputies has its counterpart in the States and Canada, where Jewish self-help organizations substitute for religious observance. The late, great Rebetzin Esther Jungreis, blessed memory, attended the ribbon-cutting ceremony of the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C., and shed a tear there, not for her family, lost in the horror, but the fact that all the Jewish millionaires on the dais that day who contributed to the museum had all married off their adult children to Gentiles. This, she said, is no way to honor the victims of the Holocaust. And it's sad to see a spokesman for British Jewry speak as he did against Smotrich, who represents classical Jewish belief. He, he, speaking up for age-old Jewish beliefs. And this, this woke British spokesman for the board, sounded like a Hellenist. The Greeks, Aristotle, Plato, they were devotees of this behavior, and that's a major explanation for the extinction of their culture and society. 
Likewise today, Israel's Minister of Health, Nitzan Horowitz, uh, his ministry issued a papal bull, so to speak, threatening criminal prosecution for any mental health professional who tries to help a sodomite who wants to break his addiction. This law is misnamed conversion therapy, that in the mind of Horowitz, a confessed sodomite, means forcing upon a sexually disordered person uh, to convert to normal sexual activity, which is a paranoid fantasy among the disordered, like Horowitz, paranoia being prevalent among sodomites, according to the creative psychoanalyst Wilhelm Reich, no psychological assistance can ever succeed against the will of the person seeking help. This health ministry circular deems it will be a crime to help a deviant sex addict, and all sexual perversions are addictions. It is okay for consenting adults, I agree with this, to do in private what they want, but Israel's sexually disordered minister of health who engages in unsanitary and unhygienic behavior by his own admission, threatens criminal action against a therapist and the patient seeking his help or her help. In his announcement, Horowitz, a potential candidate, it seems, for the job of chief of the mind police, said, quote, the Israeli health ministry is saying in an official, clear, and absolute way, LGBTQ plus people Straight people, transgender people, gays, lesbians, every person, we are all people, we are all good people and beautiful, exactly as we are, and no should no one should dare to tell you otherwise, close quote. I hope those listening see the connection between the collapse of normal, healthy sexual morality over the last century, facilitated by big farmers' inventions, and a society off its rails in this and other ways. It's no coincidence that the same people who celebrate sexual deviance are the same who mock the right of the Jewish people to peace and security in our tiny country, to our capital. The connection in the states between the sexual corruption of the elite and the culture in general is that they've lost their moral compass. Case in point, the iconic queen of the 1960s, Hillary Clinton, this weird combination of a woman wanting to be the strongest man in the world, POTUS, the champion feminist who also moonlights as a as an accomplice to a serial rapist who was the president of the United States, a rapist, with fellow rapist Jeffrey Epstein and a prince of England, said uh, this post-Jewish Israeli minister of health of all positions, quote, no one should dare to tell you there's anything, close quote, wrong with abnormal sexual misuse of the organs of reproduction. And it's no coincidence that on... His first day in office, the corrupt president of the United States, uh, as corrupt as Obama and Clinton, issued his regal edict that boys who think they're girls can use the ladies' rooms in federal office building. Okay, that's it for this edition of Phantom Nation, generously sponsored by Floridians for the Safety and Security of Israel Institute that has generously agreed to extend this podcast a few more weeks. The music you heard was by Hillel. Uh, doing Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2, and Daniel Ahaviel, and we will conclude as usual with Yosef Karduner. Until next time, I'm Shai Bentakoa. <laughs> Oh, 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 he meets my
להיות בשמחה תמיד. נאי נא נא נאי 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 נא 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 נאי 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 If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dots, and I'm calling from the rolling hills of Malaya Dumin, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dots from Malaya Dumin, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 